insert additional coin. It's Jake Seeley. You honor me with your presence. Crispy Knee. How can one so tiny hurt so much? Brad Ziegler. He's usually stronger than the average and has a friendly attitude. It's Sports Unseal. We will not back down. Game on, everybody. It is Sports Unseal. Jake Seeley, Brad Ziegler. If you noticed, I skipped somebody's name because Chris Meany's got better things to do, apparently. I don't know. What, what did he say? He was at some like, cabin in the woods or something, Brad? Yeah, that's he. He uh, isolates himself in draft week and and tries to just completely focus. And I think it become a very zen version of himself. And is no, I don't it? know. I, I, no, I don't think so. I'm just making that up. But but it sounds good. So <laughs> it, it sounds plausible. I don't know if yeah. it's like he was going away for a draft weekend for real. I mean, I, I know a lot of people do. People do Vegas trips and all that type of stuff. And so that's yeah. I was thinking Cabin in the Woods, though. Like, I just think of that movie. I'm just going to like, is Chris going to come back to us? Like, I just am concerned. I, I, <laughs> I am very hesitant when it comes to going to desolate places. Like, and I don't even mean like, you know, I know electro- like, like mm, electricity, electricity. <laughs> and you can still have Wi-Fi and all that. I still, when you're, when you have to drive multiple minutes to get to other people, I'm, I, you're probably just never going to get me to go there. Yeah. And, I would be nervous too about, about, uh, you know, like going to a place without cell phone service because yeah, you might have Wi-Fi and, and, you know, if you've got an iPhone, you can iMessage on it or whatever. But like, I feel like there is, there's so much that unless you turn on your Wi-Fi calling and you know that it's reliable or whatever, like if something happens, you can't get help out there. And <laughs> that, that, you know, like I, like you said, I don't want to go there by myself. I need, I need at least a dozen people there so that I have witnesses. Yeah, see, exactly. This is the thing. It's like, I don't know, like horror movie would be like that kind of stupid about it. Like, I don't think it's going to be us if everybody saw that. And I'm going to have like our clones come after us. But just like you said, if something happened, like, I, like I've had injuries. I When I was very young, I was eight years old. Uh, my sister, who was five at the time, actually was fishing and threw the lure. Like, anyway, the thing wrapped around my neck like, and the hook went into my neck. So, like, if that happens in the middle of the woods nowhere. I mean, seriously, like, come on. So in any case, let's talk fantasy football because last weekend was usually, typically, it's usually the third week, which is the the, the kickoff giant draft weekend of the preseason. This upcoming weekend is going to be another giant weekend for the people that want to wake and make sure that everything happens in week three and doesn't affect your drafts. So we're going to dive into a lot of news. And I mean, obviously, there's a big one that's fantasy and NFL related. But as a reminder, just before we jump into that, you can continue to go on the website for the other podcasts. We do have more football ones coming out. Ranking show is going to start next week, week one, with myself and Brandon Funston for that one. So make sure you check – and Michael Beller is going to be hosting it. So make sure you check that out. And then, of course, if you need baseball help, it's the final month. If you're trying to get that title, we still have those podcasts going. And they're going to continue a few episodes throughout the offseason. So all that stuff is there for you. But here we're here to talk about football. And I said football that time, Brad, because it's not just fantasy football. It's I, – I, I would say – the most uncomfortable, saddening, discomforting, shocking. I mean, put the ad- adjective you want on this, Brad. Andrew Luck retiring from football over the weekend. Nobody saw this coming despite all the, hey, he's not back. He can't get healthy. He can't, he's dealing with this. And we talked about it. We talked about it like, is it possibly the Colts medical staff because they go from calf to ankle to this to that to the whatever. And it's all the way back to March. And it's just... Andrew Luck just can't get healthy. He said he can't just do, he can't do it anymore, and the entire world is shocked. So just from a pure NFL standpoint, I mean, I, I don't want to say robbed because 
that feels it doesn't feel disingenuous. It doesn't like I respect Andrew Luck's decision. Unlike some people who are out there who are getting a lot of publicity for blasting him for it. If I know that he's probably struggling, you saw the emotion involved with it, but as a fan, it pains me because of what could have been like the career that could have been. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's kind of like the very similar to the Josh Gordon thing in that we just want the best players on the field and it doesn't matter you know, we, we want them to live a great life off the field, too. And, and like with Josh Gordon, we want him to be clean. We want him to be healthy and feel good about himself. But from a fantasy football perspective, we want him on the field because this is one of the most electric wide receivers in the game. You feel the same way about Andrew Luck. He's a top three or four quarterback in the league. You want him on the field. It makes the Colts a legit Super Bowl contender, and no one is saying that with Jacoby Brissett as their quarterback. It's It just changes. It drastically changes the whole mojo or whatever of that franchise, and and it's nothing against Jacoby Brissett. He's just not Andrew Luck, and I, I, I like you. I completely respect the decision. I, you know, I, obviously a much smaller scale, but I walked away from baseball at a time where I felt like I could still compete, but I did it because of similar health reasons it's I was older I was 39 years old I was I was you know obviously a lot deeper into my career and I didn't have the the financial earnings that he did or could have had at the same time I get the idea of like I I wasn't on the DL a lot in my career but the last two seasons I dealt with a lot of stuff I had in 2014 I had microfracture surgery on my knee I had back injuries my last two years and being in the training room and on the DL sucked you feel like you're honestly not even part of the team because you don't travel on road trips. Like it, it, you, you know, you have to sit and watch the game on TV like everybody else. And it's just not, not a good feeling. And you walk into the locker room and, and you're not even sure, you know, if guys are going to say hi to you when you come in, because it's like, you weren't even there. You missed everything from the last weekend. I think he was exhausted not only from from all the stuff he was missing with the team, but the media was just wearing on him to death. Like, it, it, how how when are you going to be back? How's it feeling? You know, and it, having to answer the same questions over and over again when he didn't know the answers. Like, he didn't know when it was going to all of a sudden stop hurting. All he was doing was doing the treatment that they told him to do. And I, I after a while, like, I don't blame him. Like, I, I at some point, you have to be – you have to kind of look out for yourself and – you know, just like running backs that are holding out, waiting for a better contract, this is this is his version of it saying, look, it's not about the money anymore. This is about my quality of life, and I don't like who I am right now. Yeah, he gave up a ton of money to be real, realistic about that side of things. And, you know, like I said, we were talking about a Hall of Famer here, a Hall of Fame pace. Uh, it just could have been one of the best to ever play the game, as we've seen. And it's just it's disappointing from like a real life, like I said, a fantasy standpoint, real life. It just hurt. And as I was updating the projections, when the news was breaking – I, I, this isn't me trying to like play up to the listeners or anything, Brad, but just I did kind of have a knot in my stomach because it, like part of me was like, this just feels wrong. But, you know, I have to do it because you know, people need to know and people were drafting that Sunday. Uh, I, but at the same time, I was like, I just I also had a knot because I hate to see somebody's career ended because of it, not because they wanted to end. Like, as you said, it's like forced into retirement is almost to, to, to say it, even though it was his decision. And it's just painful because he was amazing. And, and now we do have to talk fancy and we do have to talk about the fancy side of things. I mean, like they were talking about the betting side of things and they released the Vegas that they taken them off the books and they redid them and all that type of stuff and what the odds changed to. So everybody's always going to update and we have to talk about it. For fancy perspective, we've seen Jacoby Brissett at quarterback and we've seen how this offense is just torpedoed when he's at quarterback. We've seen Theo... Or I was about to say Theo Riddick. I don't know why. <laughs> why Hilton go from top 10 wide receiver to 
not even a wide receiver two, just outside a wide receiver two in like the 25 to 30 range. That's how big of a drop-off we're talking. And it's everybody. It's Devin Funches. It's Paris Campbell, the rookie. It's the one thing he does is target Jack Doyle a lot, but Eric Ebron wasn't on that team. And I bring up wasn't on that team, Brad, because a lot of people out there are really like, well, he's still going to love Jack Doyle. And well, I, I, I never like trying to project two things, Brad, is one is a replacement player if he's on a different team before here. So Duke Johnson on the Texans. I'm doing my best. Everybody's doing their best to project him as a talent on the team, and we're going to talk about him. But he's never played with this team before. And then conversely, people who have never played with this team before, but Jack Doyle has. But Jack Doyle wasn't playing with Eric Ebron and Devin Funches and a backfield of Marlon Matt. Like This is a completely different team than when Brissett was at quarterback. So... How are you going around with this? Are you dropping off Matt? Are you just doing a percentage across the board? Are you dropping the receivers more because you think they'll lean on the run more with Marlon Mack and maybe he's not as affected as much? as What are you doing here and when are you willing to take T.Y. Hilton now? So I, I would still probably take T.Y. in the fifth round. And and the reason being, he still, yes, he dropped off when, when Brissett was there, but he was still the number one target on that team. And so there's still going to be some production there. He obviously has has breakaway speed. I'm I'm also willing to say that over the last two years, since we last saw Brissett as an every every week quarterback, he might have made some some you know some progression. To, he's he might be a little bit of a better quarterback now. He's got a great coaching staff around him. He's got a great front office. Great, you know he he got to sit and watch Andrew Luck all of last year, which he didn't really get to do the the whenever he had gotten traded over from New England before. So it, it's a lot. I don't know. It's a lot different situation to me I don't think it's just a blanket like oh don't draft all Colts players at the same time I you can't take them where they were being drafted before and I I like I said I'm I'm still okay taking Mac and maybe the fourth round because there's not really anybody else there to take take carries away from him. he's a good between the tackles guy he's an adequate receiver um, I know Hines is there but they they seem to have kind of almost soured on Hines a little bit this this preseason so I, I'm okay taking Mac in the fourth I'm okay okay taking Hilton in the fifth it's everybody else that I'm scared of. I, I definitely want nothing to do with Ebron. I want nothing to do with Doyle. I want nothing to do with Devin Funches. You know, Funches went there basically to try to revive his career on a one-year prove-it deal, but he was going there under the assumption Andrew Luck was going to be the quarterback. This this might, I mean, basically end it for him. Like, you just don't know what, what's going to happen here. But um, Paris, Paris Campbell in a redraft, I want nothing to do with now. I, in a dynasty, I still think there's again. some potential there. But, but yeah, I, I have no interest in him in a, in a 2019 league. See, my biggest concern to go to Marlon Mack is something that was reported this offseason by uh, Scott Barrett, Pro Football Focus, and he pointed out that Marlon Mack's numbers last year that around, I think it was 50%. I've mentioned this before, and I don't remember the exact number. I've, I can't find the – I'll just – you know what? I'll text him today because he's the one who put it out there. Just ask him. I, I don't know why I keep trying to dig through the, t- the tweets and just <laughs> – I can just text him. In any case, point being, whatever the number is, is it was I think it was around forty or fifty percent of his fantasy production was was done when they were up by two scores. That's the concerning part for me because I think everybody out there, no matter the assumption that you're making, which a lot of people are making, is that Jacoby Brissett's had time to get better. We've heard reports about how much he's wanted to get better and practiced and been in the film room and been on the field and out there and just give me, give me, give me information so I can get better. All that being said it's still not an, an offense led by Andrew Luck, and it's still not an offense that's probably going to be in the lead as much as it was before. So that all being said is why I'm concerned about Marlon Mack. And Marlon Mack before this, I had for almost around 250 carries and 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns rushing. 
Now, afterwards, he's down around 230, 1,000 yards, and about six touchdowns, and maybe a little bit over touchdowns. I still think he can get better on the ground because I think they'll rely on him more in the red zone than turning to Brissett. So maybe he's, I, I, I haven't finished completely. Uh, that was the last team I was working on before we came on the show. But all that being said is, to your point, he was a third-round pick, in my opinion. Well, at least according to the projections as well, but now he is more of a fourth round. He's their guy. But the problem is he's now their guy on a more questionable offense that I think you have to take a hit for, what, a third, 25%? This offense has to go down, and I'm with you. Devin Funches, only non-PPR. Paris Campbell, I want nothing to do with. The only one to actually, I'll, I'll stash in a deep league is Deion Kane because I was a huge fan of Deion Kane last year, and he's been looking healthy and good so far. And I think if everybody's healthy, he's the second-best wide receiver on this team. Yeah, I, I think that's that's very reasonable. And and I love Paris Campbell. I loved him in that situation with Luck. Um, we will have to see, you know, I know he's been kind of hampered by the hamstring and stuff this this preseason, so he hasn't got the development that you want to see out of a rookie. Like I said, I don't want anything to do with them this year. But in a in a dynasty league, I'm I actually started a rookie draft today. Um, that's a slow draft, and I'm anxious to see where where Paris Campbell goes because he was a sixth, sixth or seventh overall pick. Uh, in the in the previous ones that I had done this summer, and I'm anxious to see now, does he fall into the second round? And if so, I don't have any first round picks, so maybe I'll snag him there in the second, just because of the immense upside. But but yeah, I the other thing too though is when you're comparing, um, you know, the the game script for for Marlon Mack, the the one difference when when the Colts were in a close game or when they were trailing, they had no trust issues turning the ball over to Andrew Luck and saying hey go do it well you know throw the ball 40 times no problem I don't think they can do that with Brissett I think they will still have to rely on the run game a little more just to keep people from you know essentially uh, you know dropping back in and saying hey you can't beat us over the top so you're gonna have to beat us underneath I think they're gonna have to to mix in the run a little more than they would do with Luck even when they're they're trailing or or in a close game yeah, and that's certainly that's and that's why to agree with you in the entire thing is Mac is taking the least hit of all of them. But uh, again, the the biggest problem with me is probably the just the scoring and the offense. Like I tweeted it out initially, and I, you know those are my first run throughs, and then I do projections. I I run through my projections. It doesn't take so long. They same thing for fantasy baseball because I usually run through them three times, and you know there's little adjustments through the second and third time for. There's only so much data can do for you on its own, and then you could take in your own film analysis like you and I talk about all the time. And then, obviously, when you have a situation like Duke Johnson, I can't just slap in his usage for the past three years because it's going to be completely different now. So uh, the, the third run-through is almost done, and, uh, but my biggest problem is, again, it's the, it's the offense's production, especially in the touchdown department. And, you know, I said the tight ends are looking like both of them, Ebron and Doyle, are going to come in around the 18 to 23, 24 range. Somebody's like, oh, my God, you're so stupid. Jack Doyle is his favorite weapon. And I'm like, okay, Ebron wasn't there. And they're going to be sharing snaps. And before this, when Andrew Luck was there, that's fine. You could say Ebron gets less receptions, more touchdowns, and Doyle gets more receptions, less touchdowns. And they all kind of balance out and come close. And Ebron's probably still a tight end one. But now, Brissett's not throwing for 40 touchdowns, everybody. Like, I don't care how much he's improved. He's not throwing for 40 touchdowns. So, that's the biggest thing, but I mentioned the other name that we got to talk about is Duke Johnson, and we got to talk about Duke Johnson again. Positive for Duke Johnson, but for a negative reason because Lamar Miller is officially out for the entire season. Uh, Torres ACL, it was ACL and MCL, Brad. If I yeah, remember correctly, yeah, that was and that was a brutal hit. Like that's that's the ones where it wasn't it wasn't a dirty play, but you just see it on the replay, and you're like, this guy's got no shot this year, and and you just hope 
that that it's you know it's kind of only the ACL MCL because when a guy dives in straight at the side of your knee and a guy as big as as the guy that hit him it just is, was a, a very ugly replay to watch and and I I hope that you know I wish the best for Lamar Miller for sure but but I think in my opinion this is what we've been waiting for for Duke Johnson to get a legit first back opportunity at some point in his career he's a little he's not the typical receiving back in the NFL in that he's like two oh, over two hundred ten pounds two hundred twelve pounds that's a lot different than the you know the one hundred ninety five pound Philip Lindsay type guys. Um, I think he's going to be able to handle some of this. I actually moved Duke Johnson up to my number 16 running back overall Ooh. when this happened. I've got him right behind Sony Michelle. I've got him. I've got him ahead of Leonard Fournette. If they go and sign somebody and they show me that they're not going to use him as an every down back, then then you know I might modify it a little bit. But I really think highly of him, and I I feel like this offense is is just going to go with Deshaun Watson this year, and and I love the fact that he's now going to have a featured role. I, I thought I was one of the highest on Duke Johnson. <laughs> like, like that's that's you, you're definitely taking the cake there, mostly because I just well, my initial run through projections too is I actually gave some to Demer Crockett and the rest of their backups sure. there. I mean, whoever it might be as of right now. I mean, it, it's kind of a mess back there, and that's why I even tweeted this out and said I want to be surprised if they wait and see T.J. Yeldon get cut by the Bills and go pick up T.J. Yeldon. Not that T.J. Yeldon is going to steal much from him but tj yeldon actually makes a lot of sense in my opinion because he's he does everything fine and that's why he's never been that great of a real running back is because he just does everything well nothing spectacular he's out there he's a good depth option for teams and we saw him play well and actually perform better than leonard Fournette at times with the jaguars but we still know who tj yeldon is and i think he's like those are the options i'm saying is i think that they're going to be looking at i don't think they're going to go in with what they have right now sure. that'd be the texans uh, if tj yeldon comes in Duke Johnson, I'm with you. Duke Johnson is still the lead option. I don't think Taiwan Jones is going to take that much in the passing game. It sounds like he's going to be making the team with maybe Gillespie behind Crockett. But either way, it's surprising that Taiwan Jones might be on the squad all of a sudden. But all that being said, I just don't see Duke Johnson getting that much past 200 or so carries. And that's why he tops out at 24 for me, just because even with almost 40 receptions, I just think that the 240, 250 touches is his ceiling even if they don't bring anybody else in, just because similar to Philip Lindsay, and yes, you're right, he's built a little bit differently, but he's still 5'9", 210. So similar to Philip Lindsay, you don't want to get the guy killed. You want him used in his best way. And honestly, where you see Derrick Henry, how he wears down defenses because he's so giant, so big, I think the opposite would hold true if you gave Duke Johnson 20 carries or 20 touches a game. He'd be the one that'd be getting worn down and performing less efficiently in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that's possible, but I don't, I mean, 20 touches a game is possible. I don't think, you know, I, I would say 12 to 15 carries, but I have him higher in receptions than you do. You said around 40 receptions. I think it's actually closer to 60, 65 in, in this scenario where he, he's going to, if he's going to be the three down back. And, and they might, I mean, it's, there, there's, it's, you know, a lot of it's going to be a question of volume. I don't think any, you know, that the tight end is not going to be taken away um, receptions yeah. in this offense. So, and I, think, so I think Jordan Thomas is a nice, like, late, 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 deep sleeper, but even I'm with you. It, it, the tight end's not going to be absorbing that much. Right. So, so I, like I said, I've got him for a few more receptions. I've got him around, I think I've, I had him at about 14 carries a game, is how it kind of worked out, where it's not a ton of, a uh, ton of work, but it's also a, a, a definite, you know, RB1 
uh, upside, um, you know, depending on if he, how he produces and, you know, they might go and sign Jay Ajayi. They might go and, you know, a a name I heard this morning. When people stop telling me Jay Ajayi, would you stop with this nonsense? Jay Ajayi is like, stop. I'm not saying you, I'm just... and I agree. I, I I don't think he's I don't. But if Jay Ajayi comes in, the one thing he does is it gives him at least a guy who is is a adequate backup. But it's not a guy who's going to. It's kind of like when for for me when the Chiefs signed Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde was never going to overtake Damian Williams. It was just a a guy who could be a solid depth backup. And we'll see. You know, if Damian Williams gets hurt in the preseason or in the off season, then then we've at least got a warm body there. As opposed to, you know, Darwin Thompson, who's, you know, 200 pounds and 5'8", and, and like, there's no way he's going to hold up over the course of a season as an every down back. So with that being the case, it, it it's, I, I that's the Ajayi, another name that I, I heard that I thought was kind of interesting is Kenneth Dixon. And because there's a good chance he gets cut in Baltimore. He's been very productive when he's gotten a chance. He's just had off the field issues that, that you just don't know what you're going to get there. But yeah, blah, blah, then there's blah, blah. always the... <laughs> the, the massive upside of the possibility of trading for Melvin Gordon because they have the cap room. Hold on. I, I'm so glad you brought that up, though. Hold on. Uh, before you get to that, real quick, I want to talk about Kenneth Dixon. All right. Okay. Kenneth Dixon, I, people can go back and look. I was one of the – I was on the bandwagon. I, don't, I was going to say, like, I was one of the biggest – I don't know if somebody might be a bigger fan or whatever. So, point being, I was a Kenneth Dixon fan. I was on the bandwagon. I'm done with Kenneth Dixon. Like I'm, like, I'm done with J.A.J. Like, I'm done with these guys. Like, enough is enough is enough. How many opportunities – and I'm not saying this to you. I'm just saying in general. Like, how many opportunities do we want to see these guys get? At some point, it's, it's enough. Like, it's the Jeff Janis and, the, like, all those are – like, enough. It's not happening. Give it up. But Kenneth Dixon, explosive, very talented. As you mentioned, injuries, off the field, like, all this type of stuff. It's not going to be a factor, at least even if they bring him in, it's not going to be a factor in he's taken away from Duke Johnson, at least for me, and it sounds like for you, being who we have him at. You have him at 16, I have him at 24. Either way, we're staying with where we are in Duke Johnson. The, the JHI, same thing, but um, with this whole thing. So, uh, you, okay, now you can go ahead for the last one because I'm glad you brought that. Well, no, you know what? I'll just tell you why I'm glad you brought that up. It's not All happening. Right. He's, they, they have the cat room. You're 100% right. They have the cat room. It's not happening because they don't have the draft capital. That's the problem. The Chargers are going to want a first-rounder. They're going to want a first-rounder plus. Maybe, maybe they can get two twos because they want to just be done with this. The problem is the Texans have already traded away draft picks. They don't have the draft capital to make that move, and that's why I keep scoffing and saying, no, it's not like stop with the Melvin Gordon. They're bringing somebody on who gets cut or a guy sitting out there in free agency. It's not going to be a Melvin Gordon trade. And that's you might be right. I don't think I don't think the car, the Chargers can get a first rounder for him when he's entering you know his his what is it his franchise tag year or whatever fifth year option well, see, year. My and you could this is you. This is definitely you coming from the player side of thing. That's with me having the assumption that if he signed the team, the team's going to sign him to a contract if they trade for him. Right, and they I mean the Texans have their first two picks next year, so it's it's possible that that they still would decide to move one of those. <laughs> <laughs> right, they don't have the three and the four. Yeah, so so it would it would it would be. Do you want to try to wait? Because if Duke Johnson gets hurt, what do you do then? Like you've got nothing here. Whereas if you bring in, let's say you did trade your first rounder for Melvin Gordon, sign him to a longer term deal, and then Duke Johnson is goes back into the role he had in Cleveland, but potentially on a better offense, then it's possible that that you're in a much better scenario for the team. In that, at a minimum, you at least have depth, as opposed to right now where you don't have a whole lot. If Duke Johnson gets hurt, they're in trouble. Right. 
I could I could definitely see that. But the biggest thing there is now this is kind of similar to the conversations we've had about other teams is why trade for Melvin Gordon if you think Duke Johnson can handle it and just needs somebody like a TJ Yeldon to share with him. So and that's true. That's that's you know, and we may find that out just based on their actions. Is are they just going to roll with Duke Johnson and say, you know what, we've seen enough in two weeks and and what we've seen with him in Cleveland that we think he can be a lead guy. We're just going to roll with him and and we might bring in you know the the Kenneth Dixon or or Doug Martin type backup. Yeah, 100%. All right, so continuing with uh, basically like some big news from over the weekend. So let's talk about what we're supposed to talk about for this weekend. Or actually, you know what? We got to save that. We got to say because we're going to get our week, I should say, the NFC West. We're going to talk about a lot. So I, I want to come back to it because I don't want to jump around divisions. So okay. let's talk real quick about the Redskins with Keenum is announced officially the week one starter. That's not really any big surprise. I still, as you know, have said the entire time, just start, just get Haskins out there. I understand waiting two or three, four weeks just to make sure that he gets those rookie, uh, you know, the acclimation to the NFL for somebody who wasn't even that long of a starter in college. I understand it. He's starting at some point. I have him starting in 13 games. I still think it's going to be a quick change because he's Case Keenum. So all that being said, the biggest part of this is not even that. People aren't caring that much because the wide receivers are still, is it Paul Richardson? Is Josh Doxson even making this team? Is Trey Quinn their best option? With you? I know you think so. I agree with you. Uh, is Terry McLaurin a thing? He was kind of for one week and has kind of fallen. All the wide receivers are question marks. Jordan Reed got a concussion. He's a question mark. The biggest thing is Darius guys looked really good. And I know some people probably did. I don't know if you saw my tweet and just be like, Darius Geis is healthy. And it's just extremely is like a dancing emoji that the girl from, I think it was America's Got Talent. And you know, I've been the Geis guy this entire time. I still think Adrian Peterson's factored in initially, but I think after a few weeks, this is Geis's backfield with Chris Thompson in the Chris Thompson role. And as you know, Brad, I think Geis has top 20 potential once he's in lockstep of that lead job, which is only going to take a few weeks in my opinion. Yeah, I so I know you like guys, and I might be higher on guys than you, and not necessarily for 2019, but just in general. This is a guy where literally in any other draft class, I feel like he would have been talked about the way Barkley was talked about last year. But well, he, he was always top, top in this draft. I'm with you. Yeah, it's. I mean, he he was he was electric in college. He's tested out the roof. Like this is a guy that I loved, and I could not understand all the running backs being taken over him last year, especially like Ronald Jones. Are you kidding me? But at the same time, oh my goodness. But we but we at the same time that it may have been you know these people said he was late to some draft meetings or whatever. He came out and said that wasn't true. Whatever the reason. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. But you you watch him, even just watching the the training training camp videos the Redskins have put out, where the way he's interacting with fans and stuff, it's hard to not like this guy just as a dude. And then you watch him on the football field, and it's like, golly, this guy is unbelievable. I I have him as a a in my RB two as a finish. I have him number twenty three overall in running backs this year, and and that's where I think he will end up. And that's like what you were saying. He's not going to be the every down guy at any point, probably because of Chris Thompson, but also he's going to be splitting carries at the beginning of the year. And I still think he's going to be productive enough once he actually takes over that job to get into the RB2 status by himself. I see. I actually have Miles Sanders and Darius guys back-to-back RB27 and 28. I think both finish ahead of their by their production once they're in the lead. Like, you know, we've talked about I have them back-to-back too, but I just have them at 23 and 24. 
And that's fair. And to be honest with you, like if I'm drafting and there's people have less, a lot of times will ask this, like well, I got a question the other day. Someone's like, why did you take Calvin Ridley over DJ Moore? You have him higher. It's like, well, I don't own Calvin Ridley anywhere. And I was just diversifying just because it was like, yeah, whatever. And it was a mock. Like I just kind of wanted to change things up and have, hey, we're actually playing it out now, <laughs> but, and I probably would have went DJ Moore, but there wasn't that big of a gap where I was like, you know what? I just want a piece of Calvin Ridley. I own him literally nowhere. Sometimes that's the thing, but in this situation, so I'll give you a rundown real quick from 21 to those guys. 21 is Mark Ingram, 22 is Sonny Michelle. Then it's Lindsey, Duke Johnson, White, Mack. That's how far Mack fell for me. Sanders, guys. If we're drafting and the way that I draft, I probably have two running backs by the time we get to Sanders and guys. I'm taking both over James White. I'm taking both, despite the fact we both like Duke Johnson, I'm taking both over Duke Johnson because I'll wait those first three or four weeks to where they now become a top 20 running back once they're on, you know, once they're rolling along. If I don't get them, then I'll just happily probably try to trade for them in week two or three. Sure. And, and if I'm drafting, I take these guys ahead of Duke Johnson also because I can, I can get Duke Johnson a round or two later right now. And, and so at that point, but I, how they finish, if Duke, like I said, if the Red Texans don't bring anybody else, I love Duke Johnson. Um, I, I like these guys a lot. They're guys that I'm like, I, I'm about to do an auction this coming Sunday. And these are guys I'm targeting because I won't have to spend a lot of money to get them. And I think they will far outperform what I have to pay for them. And then I can spend all my money on, on the top end receivers to, to stack. It's kind of the, the zero running back targets. I, I think are, are these guys, Matt Breida, you know, guys at Austin Eckler right now, James White, like guys, you know, that's the guy's that are right around them in, in my rankings. And those are guys that I would love to just fill my team with those guys and then end up with two or three top end wide receivers. Yeah. A hundred percent right there. And that's the biggest thing is there's some, if like everybody knows I'm bell cow running back, I'm going to take one in the first two rounds. And a lot of times I'll take two in the first three, but this year, especially I've come out of the first three rounds with two wide receivers and one running back. Cause to your point you wait. And then the fourth or fifth round, there's David Montgomery. There's, you know, Michelle and Ingram and these guys that we're talking about now and Sanders and Geis and all the like. So knowing that they're going to be on the board, and that's one of the things we talked about, like I, an advice column and people were like, well, I know it's you, you advise taking the value of what's the position of what's going to be left over by the next time I come around to my pick and how do you judge? And it's very, you got to do it on the fly and all that. So the best thing you can do is go out there and do mocks, 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 because after you do so many, you know, this Brad, a lot of times you'll sitting there in the fourth round, you don't have to go and go uh, like, okay, should I expect eight more wide receivers or let me do the calculation. You got a feeling for who's likely to go in that next, like you can say, I could probably pick eight of the next 12 guys that are coming off the board just because you've done so many mocks that you've kind of realized and recognized where people are usually going. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's the thing, like you, I had, I had people asking, there's no way I would, I would take, I've got Curtis Samuel finishing ahead of DJ Moore this year and I, and they're close, but I, that's the way I think they'll finish. And people are like, there's no way I'm taking Curtis Samuel over DJ Moore. And I'm like, well, don't draft that, you know, (laughs) grab Curtis Samuel in the eighth round where, where you can get him and, and let someone else have DJ Moore. And then you, you end up with the better guy later. And then you can, you can take a, a different guy, Chris Godwin in the fifth round or whatever and and end up with two better guys than than dj Moore. yeah 100 percent. and that's the biggest thing is again you don't have to draft them where this is why you compare the adp and do the mocks to learn that type of stuff yeah any interest in the fact that that kenny stills is on the block it's quote unquote he's the this is this i always laugh when people are like oh yeah kenny stills is on the block oh tj yeldon's on the block it's like those guys in your fancy leagues that are like hey trade for my bench guy and then when the waivers run oh guess who they dropped so 
the Kenny Stills news, does this do anything for you? Not so much because where Kenny Stills could end up if traded again. I actually still, I don't even think they cut him. But if he is cut, if or this news in general, does this affect your feelings of Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Preston Williams, anybody, Gusecki, anybody on this team that you're affected by this news? Um, well, well, I think it says a lot about Preston Wilson um, in the fact that they Please. like they feel like they have somebody else there. Um, I, I really like Albert Wilson. I have for ever since he was in Kansas City. I felt like he never really got a great chance in Kansas City, and now he's got a chance. He was playing really well last year before he got hurt. He's back healthy right now. I think he's going to be really good. Um, I, I have zero interest in stills, maybe in a late flyer best ball because he's a, a kind of a you know big play type player. But, but I have, uh, even from an NFL perspective, if I'm the Chiefs and let's say, you know, Sammy Watkins gets hurt or something, I don't want them going after Kenny Stills. This is not a guy I want on my team. He's, uh, all, by all reports, he's been very divisive in that locker room. Okay, so then, no, no, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to ask you that. Specifically, as in Brad Ziegler, the former MLB player, Specifically from that, like the reports of getting political and that the fact that he didn't like some of the things the owners done and endorsed and, you know, contributed to and that there's rumors that that's causing the divisiveness with the team. And now the team is angry with him and looking to get rid of him. And that's why the trade or they're benching him because of it and pushing him back down the depth chart as in kind of a, a like basic like a punishment, so to speak, like Brad, the player when you hear something like that, because you're the one who's been in the locker rooms and with teams and stuff like that. Like, does this really happen? Is this something that teams really would do just because like a talent or not is like, Hey, you know what? Screw you. We're going to punish you because you don't agree with us. If there's a, if there is a, I don't know that it's so much an agreement as much as how, how divisive are you in the culture that we're trying to create in the locker room? And they had the issue last week with the, you know, Jay-Z got the music agreement with the NFL and then and then Kenny Stills came out and said something about it publicly. And then they went and played the first eight songs played over the loudspeakers at <laughs> practice the next day were Jay-Z songs. And it was, you know, they said they came out as a way to kind of almost like test him a little bit. Like, how's he going to respond to this? And and apparently, you know, based on what we're hearing now is apparently he went and said something to him and had a problem with it. And, and it, it becomes like, you know what, you're distracted by stuff other than football. If you were out there just focusing on football and didn't say a word about it, we would think a lot more of you at this point. But your, your mind is elsewhere right now. And that's not, a, that's not something where it's going to advance our football team and our organization. And if we've got other guys that we feel like are just as good on the field, they're cheaper, whatever, then yeah, see you later. <laughs> all right hey that's uh i mean look it's been in the news and i think that nobody's really that interested in kenny stills for fantasy purposes anyway but maybe you know, preston williams is a little late in the drafts but one more thing we gotta talk about antonio brown i, I know one more time brad why not <laughs> well, i mean this so this is the this is the final this is the sprinkles on top of the icing on top of the cake that we've been talking about this entire time is now Antonio Brown is trying to turn this into a helmet endorsement that he's going to get his new helmet. And he's looking for somebody to endorse him doing so. I, I got to tell you, part of me when I saw this, Brad was like, this was his plan the entire time. Yeah, it, it's, it's very possible. It's also possible that all these other helmet companies are like, we have an opportunity here to get our name in the headline. And, and if he will do it, then we can get kids all over the, the country buying <laughs> helmets and whatever. Like, I, I think this is just as much, helmet companies trying to jump on this. My only question is, are the, are the helmets that uh, obviously they're not like frontline helmet companies or they wouldn't have to do this, but if they, 
are, are, are they approved? Are they going to pass the safety test that his old helmet wouldn't pass? If that's the case, then why aren't they in there in the first place as, as an option where he might just pick it in general? But as now it sounds like he's going to go with whichever one is paying him the most money, and it doesn't matter if he can see or not. It's just a matter of you know, getting those sponsorship dollars. So, so at the same time, it, it's, you know, this is just a giant soap opera and it's, it's his, he's got a great PR team. I will say that because they are just <laughs> making sure his name is in the, in the news all the time. Every damn day. Every day. Uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit of AFC. Wait, oh no, wait, 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 you did remind me the Carolina Panthers. We do. We didn't get to them. We do have to wrap up that division with them. We touched on the Falcons there again. There was, you know, the Falcons, you know, the Falcons of everybody like, Devontae Freeman, can he just stay healthy? All that, like the Falcons are the Falcons, and we kind of yep. touched on that last week. The Carolina Panthers sounds like Cam Newton's ready to roll for Week One. This is everything sounds fine, but it sounds fine, Brad. Like Cam Newton to the drop off at Tyler Haneke, Heineke, or like well, I, I don't even know if it's not him. I mean, who would it be? Because uh, maybe it might be Will Greer, just because they spent a third round pick on him this year, and I know they've liked what he hasn't saw. got any any time until now. Uh, yeah, I mean, who knows? It's We'll, we'll see. We'll, you know, it could be Kyle Allen. Is he still there? I mean, he's, he's had a little bit of experience. I don't know if, if, if he's still on their team or not, but no, but, it's, 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 Ky, it's Kyle Allen Greer and Heineke. So, yeah, so uh, part of me is rooting for Heineke cause he's from old dominion, but in any case, <laughs> sure. if so I, I think this is actually good news for Christian McCaffrey owners because anytime Newton gets banged up there, the Panthers first response is to tell him run the ball a little less. Don't take the hits, run the ball a little less. He's a lot less likely to call his own number in that instance. And we saw it last year, like he was dealing with a shoulder injury. He gave the ball to McCaffrey way more than he'd given it to any running back in the past five years while he was quarterbacking. I think it's great for McCaffrey. I know they said they want to take some goal line work off of him, but the bottom line is he is a legit back on in all facets of the game and all on all areas of the field. At some point when push comes to shove and they're, they've got a game on the line and they've got third and goal at the one, they are giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey. They're not going to run Cameron Artist Payne or Jordan Scarlett <laughs> or Elijah Holyfield or whoever these other guys are. McCaffrey is going to be the guy. And, and anytime Newton gets well, back, Cam calls his own number. That that's what I'm saying though. I think I think in this instance he was he is going to do that less because of the the he's just constantly banged up every time now. We, we've said that before though, and he like legitimately hasn't stopped. Like, <laughs> I mean, so he, he did last year. He, you know, he, he, he stopped calling he, his own number quite a bit last year. He pulled back a little bit, but he pretty much is still like he hasn't ever like stopped being crazy at the goal line. Like for what we would <laughs> sure. want. He's 30 now too, though. And, and I think maybe, you know, you hope anyways, he's starting to realize I can't take the hits that I took early in my career, even though he's bigger than most of the guys trying to tackle him. Um, <laughs> I he, up at 30. <laughs> it's just not the, you know, I, I'm trying to, trying to look here and find his, his uh, rushing volume in the past and stuff and see if, because it, I feel like it went, it decreased a little bit last year. I mean, he did 40 less carries in 2018 than 2017 or 38 less carries, but a lot less yards. It was a lot, you know, 4.8 a carry instead of 5.4 a carry and, and only four touchdowns. And that was the lowest number of his career rushing wise. And granted, he only played 14 games. Um, you know, you can usually chalk him up to 15 and then he's not going to play week 16 as long as they've got a playoff spot wrapped up or, or week 17, which is their 16th game. So um, it, it's, I, I just think at some point they're going to tell him, look, we want you, we don't want Will Greer to be our starting quarterback in two years. We want you to be our starting quarterback for the next five. And to do that, we need you to, to back it down a little bit and, and hope that he listens at some point. 
at some point, but that's the thing is he, he still hasn't to this point. All right. So if he's out, if he misses a game or two, or, you know, maybe you just, you're concerned. Oh, I guess that's the biggest question. Are you concerned at all? I know you said you like Samuel more than DJ Moore, but as hearing this already and the fact that he's ready for week one, are you fine and just rolling as is, or is the fact that he's already got banged up and it's the ankle that he injured a couple of years ago is part of you saying, eh, maybe I need to cool off a little bit on the passing game. No, I I'm, I'm totally fine with it. At least, at least the top two options are McCaffrey out of the backfield. I, I'm not a guy who's on Greg Olson right now, and I'm actually not not much of a believer in Ian Thomas. I know he's a decent athlete, but I wasn't overly impressed with him last year when Olson was out. That I know Olson's always kind of been a security blanket, and I think he's going to have some decent weeks. But that's not a guy that I want to plug in there in a bye week, knowing that he might get one catch for eight yards. Um, I do think the top two receivers are are going to be productive as long as he's on the field, and um, you know, they were productive. They were starting to get productive last year when he was a shell of himself. Like, I mean, he was his average depth of target last year was way lower than it's ever been because he just physically couldn't throw the ball down the field. And they were still still productive enough to be in a starting lineup. So with that being the case, if he if his arm's healthy now, that to me is way more concerning than his feet, because I, I think it might back off his his rushing attempts a little bit but he's still going to stand back there and throw the ball and as long as he can get the ball downfield then I think both of them are going to be really productive okay fair enough all right so let's talk about the AFC West as or AFC West NFC West look it's at this point of the year I can't even get the divisions correct you would think uh, <laughs> NFC West I mean, I'm always up for the AFC West whenever you want to go there I know well, well I was looking at the notes and you you snuck your Chiefs in there anyway even though you said if we have time you got you got your mention <laughs> in there, so uh, that's uh, I noticed that you, you threw it in there and you kind of threw me off that's what happened so let's talk about the 49ers because you brought them up before and you said you were at the game and everybody who saw the game saw how poorly Tevin Coleman looked. And he's somebody that I've changed more than most. And I've only changed more than most because I've changed his touches. And for I know what you're going to say because you and I talked before the show, but I have never really thought Tevin Coleman was that great. You know this. I said, look, Tevin Coleman got his shot last year and nobody lost more money than Tevin Coleman because everybody was clamoring, gay, give him a shot. He just needs to lead the backfield. He gets a shot. And falls on his face. And everybody's like, oh, well, he's back with Shanahan. He's back in this. Up. And you know what I said, Brad. I'm going to say the same thing I did before. I don't care if people are like, oh, Jake, just saying, saying what he says. But the truth is, I keep saying this, saying this. The Shanahan offense is pretty similar to what they were still running with Atlanta. And actually, their very first year was still basically Sarkeesian running a copycat of the Shanahan offense. It's not that different. And then to your point, if you're watching that game, Tevin Coleman, who coming out of college from Indiana has always been a straight line runner. If it's not the straight line, if the gap's not there, if he doesn't see the crease, he struggles. And you brought up the name. I'll let you say it. And <laughs> the truth is, is when you're that kind of runner and you don't always see lanes very well, you can run it into tackles or even your offensive. You just run into people. And he looked poor. And Matt Breida looked a lot better, especially in the passing game. I have now moved this backfield to basically a 50-50 split, which means Breida and Coleman are on – almost neck and neck in my rankings. It means I'm getting Tevin Coleman nowhere and probably getting a heck of a lot of Brita. And, and the, the first key for me, and I realized preseason depth charts put out by the team can be, there can be hidden messages to the players in them, like try to motivate guys, whatever. But Matt Brita is listed as the first, the first team running back and Tevin Coleman's listed as the second team running back. And, and what I watched the other night, I'm telling you, Tevin Coleman looks like Trent Richardson to me. And, and the reason, the reason is because 
every time there would be holes. It wasn't like their offense wasn't producing holes. He would just not see them and run right into the crowd of people and, and go for two or three yards. Brita would come into the game. Literally, they were, I mean, it was like, Coleman was in first down, and then Brita was back out there second down, and they would hand the ball to Brita. He would make that cut to get to that hole, and seven or eight yards later, he's he's you know getting first contact, and it's it was just it, it, they didn't even look on the same you know level. Like it looked like a college player and a high school player watching him behind, behind the same offensive line running against the same defense. They looked like two completely different players. I think Tevin Coleman can have a role in fantasy and in the NFL, but I do not think he is an RB1 at on any level. Or even RB2. Or, or an RB2 in fantasy, yeah. But, I, you know, he's that's, that's a guy that I want as a receiving back only. And the thing is, I think Matt Breida is a better receiver than Tevin Coleman skill-wise, and he made a great catch on a touchdown, touchdown pass from Grapple the other night that it was just like, I don't think Tevin Coleman can make that catch. I don't think he's athletic enough to do it. I, and I just – I'm all over Breed on here. And I'll be honest, if Jarrett McKinnon avoids the IR and comes back healthy, I think there's a really good chance that he's eating into more of Tevin Coleman's role than Matt Breida because that's the role that I think they're going to try to take take some load off Breida. I don't think they want to run Breida as, as a bell cow, but I think he is going to lead this backfield in carries. And I think if when McKinnon comes back, if, if and when he's healthy, if his knee is okay, then I think he, he supplants Tevin Coleman as the receiving back on this team. No, it's, it's, hey, 100% with you there. And I think that the biggest thing that we thought going into this, you remember what we were talking back in June, is they said that there's going to be somebody that's inactive. And that was the biggest concern because the somebody being inactive was going to be between Coleman, McKinnon, and Breida because Mostert has the special teams and Juszczyk isn't going anywhere because he's the fullback option. So it comes down to the other three. That report kind of looks like it might not be true because they might just roll out with five active backfield players because you can consider one as the fullback. So four active running backs and a fullback. And maybe there's a one less wide receiver that they roll out there because the tight end and they're rolling out there with Kittle. They only have two that's active. So I don't think that's necessarily it's a given, but the biggest problem here is what we can throw the word on top of this because what it's looking now is a running back by committee and if we're talking fantasy, well, it might work in real life. It might work for your, you know, your success of the 49ers. You want nothing to do with it. And if you want nothing to do with it, I, I'm with you in the fact that if I only want one person at this point, I only want Brita. He looked like the best at times last year, and he's coming at the biggest value so far, uh, only because I'm with you that McKinnon can do a lot in the passing game, but I don't think you'll ever be like, what, Theo Riddick is his upside? Wouldn't you say that's like his, his peak value? Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I would think so at this point. I mean, even even what he was in, in Atlanta was at the absolute ceiling um, when Shanahan was there. So I, yeah, I I grabbed Brita in literally every draft that I was doing. I I own him in like thirty best balls this year because I was getting him so late. It was like the tenth, eleventh round, and he's sitting there, and I'm like. I'll grab Breida right there. Like, why not? No one, no one else believes in this guy. And and he was the one thing I will say about last year is he played injured all the time. He was tough. He had a, he was on the report questionable every week with an ankle or whatever. And he was out there and grinding away and just I, I loved him last year. I had him in a couple leagues last year to the point where this year I'm like, look, it's gonna take this guy basically going IR before they're going to keep him off the field. He's going to outperform whoever's in that backfield because I think he's more talented than those guys, and he's just a better better runner, a better running back. So now you can get him. He's, his ADP right now and a half PPR is 902. Absolutely. This is a guy who's a absolute legitimate flex play at a minimum and maybe an RB2 if he, if he captures a whole lot more of that, 
that you know the percentage of the targets in that backfield. Yeah. All right. So let's continue with this team because there's another report that came out yesterday, or was it Saturday? Either way, it wasn't a good one. If you've been a Dante Pettis fan, or I forget, Brad, were were we all anti Dante Pettis, or were I forget you and Chris just because? I, I mean, I, I like him to a point, but I don't see him as a as a number one receiver on an NFL team. Like he was being talked up early in the offseason. And I've even heard uh, on another podcast that I won't say they were comparing him early in the offseason to to Odell Beckham. And oh like this God. is what they saw when they saw him play. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like there's no way. But at the same time, I do think there is talent there. I think hold they're, on, they're hold doing on. everything they can to motivate him. Well, no. So, okay. So that's the thing. This will, and this can also be good for you from the coming from the player side of the thing. Is this motivation or is this real? Or, and if it's motivation, it's kind of, wow, who that, that's some tough motivation. The report that I'm referencing is they said, Dante Pettis has to earn a role. Like, dude, you're not even a starter. You're not even a backup. You have to earn your role. You've done nothing. Uh, the rock would tell you to know your role at this point and you know, rock bottom you. So the truth is, He's not even the starter. It's Marquise Goodwin and Debo Samuel, which you know my feelings about Debo Samuel. The Marquise Goodwin just two weeks, three weeks ago was, hey, he might not even make this roster. It could be Dante Pest, Debo Samuel, and Trent Taylor, who's been working out with Wes Welker. And don't forget about you know Kendrick Bourne because he plays on special teams. But has to earn a role. Are you saying that? Are you believe that 100%? This is just motivation? And if it is, is I mean, that always leads me to be like, what are you doing if you need that as motivation? And I, I do think it is somewhat motivation because I think they did the same thing with Marquise Goodwin. They leaked that out like, oh, he may not make this team. It comes public and all of a sudden Marquise Goodwin takes off. Like he, he's been really good ever since then. They're not, they did it with Dante Pettis a, a while back. This is the second or third time something like this has come out and he hasn't gotten any better. And I think at some point they're probably talking to him individually and nothing's getting through to him. Now they're trying the public route to, some way to figure this out because they they just feel like he's he's just kind of trudging through training camp and they're not seeing the work and and the you know the effort to get better that they want to see or maybe this is completely legitimate and saying look like we've got guys that are better than him and when when Trent Taylor comes back then it's possible that he's playing over the top of, of Dante Pettis and and they you know they said there's a chance he's ready for week one and he was supposed to be the starting slot guy Right now, I mean, that would make Pettis the fourth guy in this op- in this offense, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but I do know that they are they are leery about him, um, and, and and but you know they're definitely not handing him anything because he he has not shown them this training camp what they wanted to see. No, and so as of today, are you even drafting Dante Pettis? Or are you Team Debo? Yeah. I'm I'm Team Debo, but he's way cheaper too, and that's that's the thing. I mean, Dante Pettis, where's is the ADP all, all summer? I'm not sure where it's at right now, but all summer he was the seventh rounder. You had to get him in the seventh round, and that was too high for me for a guy that I I felt like was was essentially unproven. He had flashes, but that wasn't you know I would rather go with a guy like Christian Kirk who led his team in in receptions the second half of the season and or or at least targets and you know or a guy like Curtis Samuel who all the news in the offseason has been extremely positive on Curtis Samuel and how how big a step he's taken forward I'm not taking Dante Pettis over the top of those guys and and right now his his ADP has fallen to 8.08 right now so so his it's you know he it's at least starting to reflect some of that but there are guys drafted after him Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling 
uh, Sammy Watkins, Sterling Shepard. I'm taking all of those guys over the top of, of Dante Pettis. And so at that point, if I can get those guys in the ninth, then I'm just not owning Pettis if he's going to go in the eighth. Oh, no, I, I, it's, I'm with you. I, people know this by this point. Is I've been pooping on Dante Pettis. <laughs> and I feel bad. Really. I kind of, like There is upside with this talent. But back in June when we had our initials, both by the way, we have brand new staff sleepers for this season. We went deeper. We went running back and then deep sleeper and then wide receiver and deep wide receiver sleeper. And Brad, actually, you contributed this time. So they're, they're all there for you guys. I broke it down. That just came out today and linked back to the one from June. And one from June was Dante Pettis was mine. I, I just I didn't get it. I still don't. Uh, again, look, I could be wrong. I'm not 100% right. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, Dante Pettis has no future. I'm just saying that the the hype, and especially when you said Odell Beckham, I'm like, get the hell out. Even if you, like, I can't, even if you would have said, like, Stefan Diggs, like, just stop. Like, you know, yes, everybody's got some innate talent. And that's why they're in the NFL. But before we start vaulting in there, you know, like, let's chill out a little bit. And, there, you know, even Calvin Ridley and Mike Williams and all those guys were like, there's plenty of talent there, but nobody's putting them in the mention of Julio Jones and Antonio Brown. So just, just stop. Go, like you said, go draft Debo Samuel, especially in PPR, and you'll be happy. That would be the best thing you're happy about. And of course, George Kittle, but we don't need to talk about George Kittle. The last thing, and we'll get out of here because we're going to talk Cardinals, Seahawks, and Rams, which is going to be a very interesting show on Wednesday when Chris is back. I'm glad we have all three of those we can get to. The Jimmy Garoppolo, that was that was a fun burial that we could just undig him from one week. But all that kidding aside, did you see you were at that game? Did you see enough to be like, all right, everything's fine. It was one rusty game. Or similar to what I've been saying, I don't know if you agree 100%, but I see, look, I'll, I'll give you my projections, Brad. Like, I'll just jump to them real quick. Jimmy Garoppolo, I have this year for, as I scroll up, that's why I'm trying to delay here. I have him for 4,400 yards and 26 touchdowns. I think that's a pretty damn respectable season for somebody that my point is we still are projecting a hell of a lot on him. He's never played with the majority of these guys for many games, let alone a full season. He's never played for a full season. His time two years ago with the 49ers, the yards were there, but the touchdowns certainly weren't. So there's a lot of questions that I think people are just feeling way too safe about this team as we just continue with the concern continuing from Dante Pettis. Yeah, and I I'm I, I don't know where everybody else is at rankings wise, but I feel like in my head I'm lower than everybody else on Garoppolo in general, just because we've never seen it. I'm not going to anoint this guy. Like I would take Sam, um, Sam Darnold over him right now solely because I've at least seen flashes of of high upside as opposed to a guy Somewhere who was Michael a really good. Just started grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> just as opposed to a guy who like has looked really good in practice according to the Patriots like I mean that even when he went on the run where they were winning all the games that he was starting he threw like seven touchdowns and five picks in in five games or something like that like that's not a guy I want as my fantasy quarterback that's not even a guy I want to plug in because I'm at most getting two touchdowns there like what's Where's the upside there? All these guys that, you know, even if you talk about when Pettis flashed last year, when when George Kittle was a monster, you know, what, and all these guys were doing it with not Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback. And I don't know that, I mean, it's it's very possible that that Mullins is better than him. I, we just don't know. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, look, that's a certain question. I would say we assume and would have faith in saying that, but you're right. I mean, if it was that case, I wouldn't want to like surprise and shock anybody off the face of the earth. Although I don't know some 49ers fans out there like said, think he's as good as Tom Brady. So that, like that. <laughs> 
I, I will say this. He did look good against the Chiefs, and he looked where he looked the best. It wasn't that the throws were amazing. It was that he was making the right throws. He was throwing to a guy who was open every time. And unfortunately, as a Chiefs fan, there were guys open every time. So he, he was moving the ball up and down the field. And, and then, you know, they I will say there was a, a fourth and one on about the 30-yard line that they went for early in that game. And he threw the ball right into the chest of Chris Jones, the, the defensive lineman. I have no idea what he saw there when he was throwing that ball, but it, it looked like you've got a, a 6'5", 310-pound guy in your face, and you just threw it right into his chest on fourth down. I, I'm not sure <laughs> not sure what you're, what you're looking at there. But other than that, all the other throws he made, uh, I thought he, he made the right throws. He was finding open guys. And at least gave me hope where, like, this guy might be a QB2, but I still think he's a bottom-in QB2. And there, he's going ahead of guys that I would rather have. I'd much rather have Phillip Rivers. I'd much rather have – I'd probably even take Nick Foles kind of right in the same area. And Foles you can get for free at the end of drafts, whereas Garoppolo you've got to pay for a little bit. So I, I think they could end up with very similar seasons. And, and your projections to me are kind of a ceiling for him. I don't see any way he goes over those numbers. And that's, that's unusual because I know most of the time your projections are pretty conservative. Um, but I don't see him any way he's going over 4,400 yards and, and, you know, 26 touchdowns seems like a lot to me in that offense. All right. Fair enough. Hey, hey look, I'm not perfect, but all opinions. Yep. Well, no, it's projections. Get it right. Sure. Well, that's an opinion for me. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all, but hey, it's all good. And it's all going to be more information to get you ready for your drafts. If you're having more this weekend, make sure you check out the site. Like we've got a bunch of stuff for this final week to make sure you're ready. More sleepers, more undervalued round tables, all this type of stuff. Because we know a lot of people drafted. A lot of people are still drafting. It's the final two big weeks. Football is almost here, everybody. Wednesday is coming soon. Brad Ziegler at Brad Ziegler. I'm at All In Kid. And Chris Meany, who isn't here, will be on this show at our show and at Chris Media to follow him. So make sure you come back. Good luck, everybody. And we'll talk to you on Wednesday.